Are you ready to connect? This is the Empower Connection Podcast, where we empower our listeners to connect more fully to themselves, to each other, and to something greater. We do this with the help of myself and special guests, including healers, coaches, artists, seekers, and those on a healing journey of self-growth. Welcome. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Empower Connection podcast. This is Damodar Cordua, relationship coach and life coach and yoga and yoga wisdom teacher. And I'm here as your host, always happy and grateful for your time. If you're enjoying this podcast, I humbly ask you to share it with a friend, share a favorite episode, and give us a five-star rating and a few words of encouragement. Just a couple words below to talk about what you like, to highlight something that you've been really appreciating about the podcast. Actually, speaking of appreciations, I'm going to highlight KB. Damodar's episode on anger was incredibly helpful. I like how he describes our hope to avoid it into resolution rather than sit with the feelings below. His candor, relatability, et cetera, helped me hear these concepts in a new way. His knowledge and his desire to help draw forth my own honest reflections. This is a marvelous podcast to have as a resource and a friend. So share something. If you are feeling like you're liking the episode, we'd be really, really appreciative. Also reach out for me as always for your first free coaching session and dive into a journey of self-discovery, of self-awareness, of clarity, and of removing the roadblocks on your way to better connection to yourself and to your loved ones and to something greater. Dive deep. Today is a solo podcast episode, and we are talking about something very close to my heart, I guess, or close to my own personal experience, and that is over-functioning. I'm raising my hand right now. You can't see me if you're just listening. I am an over-functioner. I've been dealing with over-functioning propensities for many years, only really in the last few years becoming a little bit more aware at what as to what they are, what they're showing me about myself, and in fact that I am a quote-unquote over-functioner. So let's get in. I'm going to start with some questions for you to meditate upon to see how this might resonate in your own mind and body. Is it easier to get things done? Is it easier to work real hard? Is it easier to manage your time? Is it easier to manage other people's time? Is it easier to check things off your to-do list? Is it easier to go, go, go than it is to be with your feelings, to be with your experience, and to be with your own emotional landscape, and to be with what is happening in your body and in your mind? If that's the case, you might have some over-functioning qualities. So what, what am I even talking about? What is over-functioning? Let's talk a little bit about it. On today's episode, we're going to take a little peek into what is over-functioning and a little bit of its complementary opposite, under-functioning. The dance of over-functioning and under-functioning rears its head in relationships. This is very much a relationship podcast. I'm a relationship coach. And it often leads to, so it's an important subject to talk about. It often leads to relational imbalance, codependent-ish patterns, and at times a feeling of stuckness or entrenchment, like in a cycle in a relationship. And this could be in relationship with our partner, family members, friends, coworkers, et cetera. 
And before we go on, this is always a caveat I like to give when I'm talking about certain subject matters on these solo podcast episodes, is that I'm really not a fan of oversimplifying. So sometimes psychological personality definitions and ideas can run the risk of assuming we have a thing or are a thing when we might only have aspects of it, or, or it's a spectrum, right? And we're on that spectrum. So during this podcast, I will be listing character traits and explaining an opposite polarity. Okay. So I'm going to be, there's going to be these sort of polarities and extremes, and we might think, well, I have to be one or the other, but I invite you to not rush into uh, oversimplifying yourself or another person, right? You can easily listen to some of these podcasts on self-growth and relationships and start to point the finger at another person like, oh, you're, you're over-functioning again, or you're under-functioning. So I want to invite you to soften some of that propensity, but take the information in slowly, you know, digest it, process it over time. Again, I'd say this about any self-growth podcast, mine or anybody else, anybody else's. As humans, we love to put each other in boxes, something that I'm really not about as a relationship coach. That's a whole other story. So take it in slowly. The polarity I mentioned is a real phenomenon. It happens, these two extremes of under-functioning and over-functioning, but there are lots of spots and places on the spectrum that might be you know, nuanced to you. And additionally, I'm not here to make wrong or pathologize over-functioning or under-functioning. Okay. And we'll talk a little bit more about that. Let's start with defining the overfunctioner. Overfunctioners, generally speaking, take on a role of overdoing, overworking, overresponsibility as a way to manage stress and anxiety in their lives and the challenge of relationship, meaning they, they take on this pattern during the challenge of relationship. And they may do for others, take on a role or obligation or responsibility for others that otherwise of those other people could easily do for themselves, therefore disempowering the other person and possibly, or people, and possibly creating an over-functioning, under-functioning dynamic, which we'll talk, we'll talk about soon. For the over-functioner, over-managing themselves or others or situations, like control freaks, you know, raise your hand, creates a feeling of control and ability to navigate stress and or a way to simply override difficult feelings so that they don't have to feel them or be fully present with them. At an early age, we all create a, a pattern or patterns to manage the stress of our environments and relational environments. As Brene Brown says, and she talks a lot about overfunctioning in her work, our pattern ways of dealing with anxiety such as overfunctioning or underfunctioning, are often set up in our first families of origin. But understanding how and why can set us free. I do a lot of this work with my clients. What are the patterns we took on early on? How and why? And, and not to blame, but to say, okay, what do I want to keep? What do I not want to keep? How do I want to bring this forward or change it or shift it a little bit more for my empowerment? So back to overfunctioners. Not all, but many overfunctioners were parentified at an early age, meaning they had to take on the role of a parent caregiver provider to their parents or to others in some way. Some say only children firstborn in a larger family or middle children in larger families have the tendencies to take on these roles of overfunctioning. But don't get caught up on that. Don't get stuck there. 
And also uh, on that tip for relational and self-growth nerds, a key way we pattern to anxiety of our first relationships in addition to over and under functioning is called attachment style. And we bring that forward into adult relationships as well. So I keep on talking about doing a solo episode just on attachment styles. So that's going to be coming up soon. But for a tease about attachment style that will really help you also uh, in, in combination with this episode, check out episode number nine on this podcast. So overfunctioners are the fixers, the micromanagers, the rescuers, the helpers, the reliable and responsible ones. They often feel that the pressure of insecurity or anxiety will be relieved if they take control of a situation. For overfunctioners, it is easier to do than to be with uncomfortable feelings. So it's easier to do something to override those feelings than to be with them. Additionally, they have difficulty holding back and allow others and allowing others to just fix their own problems, to, to do their own thing, to deal with their own shit. This can often be an unconscious act. In taking on more responsibility, overfunctioners may get burnout or take on potentially negative patterns to manage their overdoing. Raising my hand again. <laughs> they also may miss out on the variety of life found in slowing down and being present. So I think there's a real health and um, life quality of life issues here with overfunctioners that we, I want to include myself, they need to reckon with, I would say. As you might imagine, this kind of overfunctioning can play out in a variety of ways. And within it, there's some real life payback for overfunctioners, such as important work positions, jobs with a lot of responsibility, being the person people can depend on. Any, any of this resonate for y'all? Being the provider, or the parent or partner who gives and gives. There's a lot of attachment maybe to that role or a payback. Our egos and some of our intrinsic value in life might get very enmeshed in our tendency to overfunction. At the opposite end of the spectrum are the underfunctioners who may hold back, and there's a spectrum, remember, who may hold back, take on less responsibility, and can be disorganized and have learned to allow others to make their decisions for them. Generally speaking, and there's a spectrum, remember, underfunctioners underdo as a way to cope with stress, anxiety, or relational dynamic. My, my stereotype, my mind goes to like a stereotype of like a stoner or something when I was younger, like they just want to zone out and allow others to take care of things. But that, that's a sort of stereotype and an extreme. And other extremes that people la might label underfunctioners would be uh, someone who's lazy, uh, an underachiever, a black sheep, someone who's not picking up the slack, not responsible, et cetera, or, or people who may have difficulty showing up under stress. In relationships, this dynamic settles out and creates polarity, even if previous to the relationship, one of the parties or both parties did not show under or over functioning traits. So interesting. Just like attachment style. As you might imagine, if the overfunctioner takes on the worries and work of the underfunctioner, even unconsciously, the underfunctioner or, or someone who might be more on that spectrum to deal with stress, anxiety, and feelings to cope with them might say to themselves, usually in an unconscious way, why bother doing this if the overfunctioner is doing this? So as you might notice, this will create a cycle that many partners can get into in romantic relationships. Even abdicating work or responsibilities one or both used to do 
when single, when a, you know, not in relationship, since the other person in the relationship will overfunction or become the overfunctioner to do the other person's stuff. Isn't that interesting? So we might abdicate some of our self efficiency and, and empowerment as an underfunctioner because, okay, in this relational dynamic, this person's taking up most of that slack. And so it almost creates at times in partnership and family, a polarity that otherwise might not be there for the single person. And you could see how that might not be great, right? You could see how in your relationship now or previous or relationships, you might've felt like I'm the one doing everything. I'm the one taking on the labor here, or I'm the helper and I like to do everything for this person. And then I resent it. Or for some reason in this relationship, I notice that I'm starting to abdicate responsibility and check out, right? I've allowed this other person to overfunction for me, manage my life, um, take over certain responsibilities that otherwise on my own, I would be totally down with and actually really great at. So interesting. The holidays are upon us. Are you looking for a unique gift to give to your loved one this season? Are you looking for a special gift of all natural, organic, herbal wellness, all the benefits of all natural, organic wellness and skincare this holiday season? Well, we got some goodies for you. Be sure to check out my lovely wife's beautiful and deeply healing product line, Baba Wellness. We are actually going to be giving our listeners to this podcast a special 15% off when they order from our website and ship directly to their home or to their loved one's home as a special gift for the holidays. At checkout, use the code EMPOWEREDCONNECTION, one word, all caps. All the details are in the show notes. Take a look and order today. So a few ways to help this dynamic. So this is just a little dip in the toe into this world of the OFUF. For overfunctioners, I would invite myself and you and all of us out there to start working in a somatic and or mindfulness practice that can allow your body and your mind to slow down and practice being with your feelings, emotions, anxieties, and stresses. Really important for the overfunctioner, slowing down and being with, becoming present. I teach this to my clients. I have uh, uh, quite a few exercises and meditations. And you can also, you know, if you want to reach out for a session, we can dive deeper into this. There's also many resources out there that you can find online and on this podcast that can help you dip your toes a little deeper in to how to slow down in your body, in your mind. This will allow space for the nervous system to become more present for what is happening, for what you or I am experiencing without coping through doing. So it's a real practice of presence and beingness to start to retrain our nervous system, which created a pattern at an early age that when something is feels difficult, that I can be with it. I can be with the experience and not just rush to do, to distract, to overcompensate through working for through overfunctioning. And remember, your overfunctioning, if you are an overfunctioner, has payoffs, some of them very real. And I'm not asking you to drop all these patterns, but to become more aware and to be able to choose 
when I want to like flex that muscle, it's all about choice and freedom, flex that muscle of overdoing when I need to, and then realize when I don't need to, and it's a pattern that's not healthy. Does that make sense? Next, from that place of presence and groundedness and more choice, take the time to suss out your need to overdo or overwork for yourself or others by asking yourself these questions. Do I really need to take this on? This work, this responsibility, this job, this task, this thing for someone else. Where is this compulsion to work or help coming from and why? That's a great question. Is there someone else who can take on this task and how would including them benefit me and benefit them, maybe empower them or lead to a better connection with them or collaboration with them? What am I really needing and really feeling right now? And is it related to my want to overwork or overfunction? Am I hiding from myself somewhere here? Numerous times a day, check in and say, or, or feel in and say to yourself, what is my body feeling? Am I burned out? Where is my capacity at right now? Am I overrun? How do I know when I am? How, how can I answer this over and over again over time? How can I come back to this question of my body and my capacity? Finally, I would include, am I overstimulating or self-medicating myself in order to go, 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 to overfunction, to override, to distract myself from being present? Am I scared to simply be present? For me personally, I know I'm not going into my story too much, but I have a lot of overfunctioning traits. And for years, I've noticed that caffeine was a way to really assist in my overfunctioning and really help me override being in the moment and continue to go, to overwork, overdo, over-responsible myself. So sometimes we self-medicate to really perpetuate these patterns or uh, make them even, even more intense, more nefarious. So those are a few things that you can look into if you're an, an over-functioner. If you're an under-functioner, maybe there's some questions you can also ask yourself, such as, what am I avoiding right now? Is there some pattern that I'm part of that I don't realize? Am I abdicating some of my self-empowerment right now because someone else is picking up the slack? Where in my life am I zoning out? Am I underdoing in order to not meet life, meet the present moment, meet life's challenges and or meet the stress of life. When I look at my relationships, do I notice that there are a few people in my world who take on too many of the tasks that I could actually do for myself, right? Not to mean that you have to take them all on, but just an exploration and maybe an invitation to say, hey, loved one, I'm ready to take this task on myself. So to create better boundaries, and in, in fact, both styles need to create better boundaries. One, in taking maybe some more things on that are being resourced by others, and the other starting to suss out that I don't need to do this, right? I'm stuck in a pattern, pressuring myself to do this responsibility. How can I outsource it in a productive way? 
I hope this episode was helpful for you. This is just a little taste of the over-functioning, under-functioning dynamic, and it plays out in families and partnerships and at work. Take a compassionate look at yourself, please. It's hard here because sometimes we might go into a place of shame, not that shame is bad, but we might go there and it might prevent us from really seeing that this is a pattern of mine and I want to compassionately meet myself there. And at the same time, I want to encourage myself to move out of it and to look at it deeper. If you need assistance in doing so, if you need like, you know, an extra flashlight to go in there and take a gaze into some of those patterns, please reach out to me. I would love to connect with you one-on-one and we can go into a coaching journey. And in the coaching journey, I give you more tools, tips, and practices that you can move into over time with accountability so that you can come back to the session And we can check in and see what has been revealed, what the roadblocks are, where the strengths are, frankly, that we all have inherently and where we might want to move forward. And I want to support you and then like also challenge you. Sometimes it's hard because we don't have a lot of people in our lives who challenge us in a way that's compassionate and supportive. It's either support, support, support. You're the best. You're the best. You're the best. Or challenging in a way that feels unempowering, underempowering, right? But I want to do something different for you. And that's what my goal is for all of my clients, to challenge you and to support you over time so that you can connect to yourself better. You can connect to others more deeply in a way of more potential and possibility. And you can connect to something, something greater. Thanks for listening today and looking forward to connecting, speaking of connection, connecting with you next time. Peace.